Uh, hello, everyone, and welcome to our second episode of uh, First Impressions, Thinking Aloud About Film. And today we're thinking aloud about uh, Hu Xiaoxian's second film, which is uh, Cheerful Wind, also known as... Play While You Play. The seems to be the original English title of it. Now, what did you think of it? I, I really liked it. really liked it. Uh... <laughs> you see, because... I'm, I didn't like it as much as Cute Girl. Uh-huh. Yes, I thought, you know, Cute Girl was so charming and fuzzy and, you know, and uh, I mean, it did have kind of a little bit of broad comedy. But um, I don't know if it was the, the print of this, um, but obviously the, the audiovisual pleasures were not as intense, right? Cute Girl has this very vibrant color. You know, and this is very fadey and grey, and that yeah, could just I, be the print. I mean, because we should, I mean, Cute Girl and and the the next two films we'll be watching were all recent restorations. This one is not included in the ones on Mubi, and it's not available on Blu-ray. So we, we were watching a a, a a copy that we found, and it's clearly a, it was in, and it was perfectly watchable. But yeah, you probably missed some of the visual pleasure of it. I think. Yes, um, I also found. Uh, don't get me wrong, I found it charming and I liked it, you know, very much. Uh, and th there are many things about it that I like, you know, but there were moments in the middle where kind of I thought bits dragged, yeah, in a way that they didn't with me, for me with Cute Girl. And I also found Fong Fei Fei's character in this film was intensely annoying. <laughs> yes! Uh, <laughs> she <just> <laughs> no, she, <laughs> I had you in mind when watching her because for the first half of the film, she changes hats in practically every shot, yes. <laughs> right? And then somehow you forget about the hats. Like all of a sudden, she's not wearing any for large yeah, chunks of the yeah. film. <laughs> Perhaps that, that's where the she's... film loses its way, is where, where she stops wearing hats. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she's done the hats, moved on, and lost her audience along with the hats. <laughs> uh, um, there were many things that I did like very much, though. I mean, you know, that whole gag at the beginning with the boys trying to explode the shit, yeah. you know, that was like so funny. Yeah. 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 Um, I think the film is very interestingly self-reflexive on filmmaking as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I think this has another layer that cute girl doesn't. And that actually maybe it's to its detriment, yeah. I I think yeah because I, I think what you can see in this is I think what yeah what we commented on cute girl is it's someone who you know is making a very commercial film but is also trying out ways of filmmaking and it, and in this that's happening too and and there's some very interesting stuff about the way it's made. I mean as you say the film within a film stuff is very interesting. The, the framing of it is incredibly interesting. There's some, some amazing use of this the kind of cinemascope screen. There seem to be, there are bits that felt, um, you know, they were kind of, some of the supporting cast were sort of non-professional actors and kind of semi-improvised, you know, the bits in the village and the bits in the snooker hall, this kind of thing. Nice. Um, but kind of all, all of that sort of felt like it belonged in a slightly different film yes. than the one it was in. Um, much as I enjoyed those aspects of it. Um, yes, I agree. Um, 
So, I mean, I think the film has a very... I mean, you can tell already it's a real kind of filmmaker. You know, uh, there are shots that are shot from a fire escape and, you know, where the face of uh, uh, Benny's face is filmed in the center of it that you go, wow, right? You know, but also it's not really in keeping... I, You know, it's a, it's a fantastic shot, but actually it's not really contributing much to the tone or the narrative really it's just it you know it looks fantastic right you know and that's kind of you know i'm not uh um uh i don't want to criticize that too much because it's great when things look fantastic but but it's almost like he's using this very flimsy commercial you know star driven uh musical comedy uh you know as a way of trying out things and as a way of commenting on cinema itself. And it's almost like the film can't carry all that stuff. Yeah, you know, but, you know, you've got to give him credit that he basically got paid to do that rather than going to film school. Well, <laughs> or maybe true, he did true, both. <laughs> true. And, and I also don't want to give the wrong impression. It's a very, very enjoyable film. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I love these films uh, that... Are, are not quite musicals, but they are. Yeah, I, you know, they practically have a musical number uh, in, you know, every 10 minutes, there's at least one, one musical number. But, but it's not the, like the Hollywood kind with dancing and spectacle and, you know, this is just either music overlaying the narrative, yeah, or, well, usually music overlaying the, the narrative, right? Yeah, like, I, but uh, yeah, in both of the films so far and also in, We'll, we'll we'll see this again in Green Green Grass. Kind of halfway through, there'll be a big montage musical number where they're not necessarily singing it on screen, but it's it's just kind of a, this is clearly supposed to be the big hit song from the film, and you you just get this this montage. It doesn't really add anything to the plot, um, but I guess that was just, you know the style of commercial filmmaking in in Taiwan at the time. A little bit like yes. happens in Egyptian cinema as we were watching. Yeah. Um, you know what it reminded me of. It, it really brought to mind MTV, right? And that would have been the era of MTV. MTV would have been beginning then, except obviously MTV was a lot flashier and, you know, those numbers would have had like a lot more cutting and quicker cutting and, you know, cutting to the rhythm. Whereas, you know, uh, this is like a musical montage that could be a video clip, but that you know, is made for a film rather than for an MTV rotation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we should say a bit about the plot, which is yes, which is please. amazing. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so basically, um, we we sort of start off in this village, and there, there are some kids doing a trick with exploding cow shit, and then it transpires this is actually a commercial for detergent that's oh. being filmed. So we have a film film in the film going on. Fong Fei Fei is a, is a photographer who works for the production company. She then sees this this man and kind of falls in love with him because she thinks he's gazing at her. But then, who, and this is Kenny B. But it turns out, plot twist, turns he's out he's blind. blind. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he's blind. And um, they, but she, but she's engaged to the producer, who's this. So she, it's, it's a love triangle with the same three leads as Cute Girl because the the producer is the 
the, the, the boyfriend from Cute Girl. So it's kind of, is Fong Fei Fei going to end up with Kenny B or the other guy? Is Kenny B going to get his sight back in a, with an operation? Is he going to get an eye <laughs> transplant? Um, when he gets the eye transplant, will he recognize Fong Fei Fei? Will they, you know, who, who will she end up with? Who, you know, you won't be able to possibly guess the outcome of any of those questions. But, but that, 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 that's basically the plot. It's a stupid, stupid plot. But um... on the other hand, you know what I really liked about it um, was that you got a real sense of on-location shooting, and this within this very contrived melodramatic plot, you also the film really also evoked a sense of how people lived. Right. And I think it's something that um, is easy to connect with the films that we've been seeing from Iran and, uh, you know, from from Egypt, because it feels also very much a society in transition. Yeah. You know, you have the people in the market stall, you know, and, uh, you know, uh, uh, the, the way that people live in the small towns. And, you know, there's a scene where um, the heroine goes back to Taipei and you're shown her flat and you know kind of there's her her toilet door is open and she's got the toilet with a pink uh um yes a seat and you think why are they showing us this and I, uh, well the answer is probably because you know that's aspirational to have like an indoor toilet with a pink seat right like you know <laughs> yeah because i mean normally that's something the door would be closed right so the film is showing off that apartment and that well it's it's yeah it's aspirational compared to the life in the village um, yes um, we'll, we'll see you 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 will see in green green grass you will see many more village toilets and yes. they're, they're not pink toilets with seats um so so yeah that that that, that is interesting and, and you you sort of, I think that kind of look at rural life and that look of urban and rural life is is probably what he was really interested in doing. Um, the one sequence which is interesting is the so there's a sequence in the middle where um, so Fong Fei's brother is a is a teacher and he's going away somewhere and so he he gets his sister to come and take over his class for for the rest of the term and so she, there's this lengthy sequence where she's teaching a the, the the class of kids and that's actually essentially that's basically the whole plot of the green green grass except in that case it's kenny b who arrives to take over a class when his when his sister is is going away and it's very it's it's very similar it did make me wonder about you know recruitment practices in the time time his education system at the time. So, oh, i'm going away for a few months but my brother can turn up you know? um, <laughs> but but you know that that it, it, again that's something that, that did feel like you know he's trying something out that he then expands into a full feature film so yes i mean the you know those classroom scenes the scenes in the institute of the blind um you know they were very interesting because they're played very broadly and they're pitched kind of you know for almost like clowny style humor and on the other hand you get the feeling that this is a real institute that these are really blind people that this is the equipment that they're working with you know that they're very privileged to be there you know in in the context of that culture uh, so so it's a really interesting kind of melange of um, you know, kind of almost documentary feel, you know, but kind of uh, vehicled into, you know, a broad comedy. Yeah, and I think that's what that's the really interesting thing about watching these films in order is is that they are, you know, he he is trying stuff out and he's developing as a filmmaker, but at the, at the moment with these first two, well, first three films, in a a very commercial context. Yes, 
Um, well, I mean, what he does is very interesting, and you could also see a whole series of concepts at work, right? So, for example, you know, that meet-cute where, uh, you know, she thinks that uh, Benny's staring at her, but actually he's blind, yeah? And, of course, you know, what is she? She's a photographer, so, you know, she's somebody with a camera and kind of shooting things with a, with a camera, and he's blind, right? Like, ah. <laughs> so, you know, the sense of, like, not only sight, but capturing what is seen, as opposed to, like, not being able to see at all, right? And then you go into, you know, the screening room, you know, and you see kind of, you know, the film being screened. And, yeah, it's, it's kind of, you know, it's also interesting conceptually about, you know, kind of sight and vision and yeah. recording and all of that stuff. I mean, there's a lot of recordings as well, right? The blind people are all recording, yeah, you know, the kind of the spoken sound. Um, so um, you also get the feeling that, like in these other films that we've been seeing, the sexual mores of the period are also in transition, right? So there's that lovely comic bit where the father says, what's all this hand-holding? <laughs> <Right? Like, laughs> and she says, he's blind. <laughs> yeah, you know, so the sense of, yeah, and what the, yeah, so, you know, the, pl the public and the private and, you know, perceptions of sexual, yeah, kind of activity I and... And the interesting thing in this, compared to um, Cute Girl, where I mean, we, we talked a bit then about the kind of, you know, the sort of marriage um, arrangement that was going on there. Whereas, whereas in this, she's very much in control. Uh, you know, she she has decided first first off, she's decided she's going to marry the the producer from Hong Kong. Um, then she actually decides maybe she prefers Kenny B, but she's not quite sure. And then she's kind of. I guess trying to choose between him and her career and so on and so on or him and her nice holiday in Europe which is for the other thing this is entirely her as an independent woman and I, I really liked the, you know, the the ending essentially um, you know the ending kind of leaves it all unresolved because they're at the airport she's about to go go to Europe Kenny B turns up just at the last minute um, and and actually the dialogue cuts against what's actually happening on the screen at that point, which is quite an interesting way of doing it. That's, uh... Well, I, I, I don't see it as unresolved as you are. I mean, basically, he arrives at the airport, right? And then basically he says, I'll do anything for you, wait for you, blah, blah, blah. You know, but let's go get my ticket, I'll join you, right? And, and it ends on a freeze frame of them as a couple, you know, totally in love together. So, uh, you know, I, I mean, what I did find interesting is, you know, what you were bringing up about her being a career woman. Right, because she is also a career woman and cute girl. Yeah, so she's a good daughter and she's a traditional daughter. She's a respectful daughter. You know, but you see her in all these projects leading all these men with her, you know, presentations at board meetings. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, uh, and, she, and here yeah, again. She, she has one of those jobs in Cute Girl, the kind of jobs I love in films where you, where you just, you're watching the film and you can't actually work out what her job is. <laughs> no, except that it's very important. It's very important. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I like that very much and I did think that scene at the airport I don't know if I'm pushing this too much but it seemed to me that part of the reason for staging that scene at the airport is not just that a trip to Europe is made to seem like this huge event but the way that it's filmed is also a way of almost showing off the airport it's like telling the audience, oh, look, this is our airport. Yeah, it's like, it's like, it's like in, you know, earlier films in Britain saying, this is Heathrow, you know, to people who... Yeah, live. I mean, a bit, a bit like in, the, in some of those 
those like 1960s uh, Egyptian films we've been talking about, where where it, you know, the whole part of the point is to show off technology and and and, and modernism and, and and so on. I mean, obviously, you know, you have this kind of the political thing of Taiwan versus China and Taiwan trying to be an independent state. Taiwan at that point was, as I understand, it was under martial law and from you know, the late 40s until the late 80s. Um, so you know, and it, but it was a society that I think was kind of edging towards democracy by that point by by, by the early 80s. Um, so so yeah, an, an interesting an interesting period to be making a goofy romantic comedy. But uh, yes, I love the. I wish we had seen another good print because I love the look of it, or rather, you know, I love the way that the country is depicted. Yeah, so you know, you begin, you know, in this very dramatic but also friendly kind of seashore town. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, you know, the waves are like really strong, and you see all the fishing boats, and you know, so 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 it has like this friendly ambiance, but it's a really windswept, rugged, yeah, weather, you know, and then of course you, you know you go into the mountains, right? Yeah, and that's kind of like rainy, misty. <laughs> yeah, so it's interesting to have like this sunny romantic comedy, but actually the elements are quite, you know, dramatic. And then, of course, the city of Taipei itself seems almost generic, like without charm. Yeah, like, you know, kind of nondescript buildings, you know, uh, in large areas. Yeah, it's almost like it's it's... It's it's one of those things designed for cars before the yeah, uh, before the fact really. So, um, you know the 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 nicest bit was the park, right? But all the all of the the shops within the city, you know, the city seemed quite alienating. Yeah, um, so uh, you know, so that was interesting. I mean, I think you know it's one of those films that because it's shot on locations and and so on does actually tell you something historically about the place and the people mm. yeah yeah, ab ab yeah absolutely yeah yeah i thought I mean, one thing i found very impressive was just the way he was kind of marshalling such a huge number of people on screen i mean there's sort of ah, all, yes. all these scenes with you know loads of kids or loads of loads of, just loads of villagers or city people or whatever and then you know he's got all this stuff going on in different areas on the screen so i mean the, the bit the great bit at the beginning where Fong Fei Fei is on, is on the rooftop taking photographs and then you see this bunch of people going past on the road and one of them is Kenny B being pulled along on a cart by a donkey playing playing his flute and, and it's a very complicated setup and there's, yeah, there's bits later on where there's you know school children running across a, a field and then it kind of camera pans across and there's I think it's Fong Fei Fei and a couple of other people kind of cycling down the down the path or whatever it's a very 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 complicated setup and a lot of people involved and it's, it's yes. it just works really well and the, the the kind of construction of the shots are really interesting i think uh, it takes a great deal of skill to be able to do that and also i think it's worth mentioning you know that it's one of those things that were that used to be a marker of a great director how do you arrange people within a composition, yeah? Of course, the more people you're working with, the more difficult it is, yes? You've got to put them in blocks. You know, Curtiz and DeMille and people like that were obviously fantastic at, at, at doing that, but with armies, right? But actually, just 
putting like this one has sometimes 20, 30 people within a frame, right? And it takes a great deal of skill to be able to kind of, you know, put all of those people in a way that they that it is understandable and also expressive. Yeah, that uh, they do so. So so I, I think you already kind of see somebody very, very talented because, you know, they're definitely able to do that. Um, on a different note, what did you make of Kenny B's camping? Camping up? Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it took me by surprise. Did you see it as... Because as, I think it is kind of homophobic, but it's also charming. Mm. Yeah, like, there, there is something... You know, Kenny B exhibits almost like too much knowledge. Yeah, so when he puts the earrings on, it's like, you know, he's not putting them on to make fun of effeminacy. It's almost like, you know, he's reveling in that or he's enjoying. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I didn't oh, yeah, quite know how the, to read that. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> it was quite odd. And I want, so it's a scene where he's being like pho photographed as part of a class photo, isn't he? And I wondered whether that's, yeah, perhaps that's supposed to represent somebody. He's impersonating somebody. I, I, I don't know. I Maybe, but he does it later again. Mm. Do you remember that walk down the street where he's, you know, doing all Nancy? I didn't know. I don't, don't remember that bit. I'll have to watch again. I'll then. make a clip of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Two mm. incidents in one film seem mm. a bit... Mm. I also wanted to mention... You know, as I suppose in praise of Hu Shaoshen and his cinematic literacy, that, you know, he used one of those um, standard narrative devices, uh, you know, that Hollywood uses so well, which is to give a deadline. Yeah, so I thought, you know, the last scene where he says, if you're not at the airport by seven, you know, whatever, I will leave without you, right? And so then you have the suspense of, will he turn up? Will he turn up? He's only got two minutes, all right? <laughs> yeah, and he does the same thing again. I will meet you at, you know, 10 for dinner. Oh, the, you know, 10 for breakfast. Oh, seven, right? Like, you know, and then he turns up. So this thing of setting deadlines and giving times, yeah? Yeah, yeah, is, that's right, because when he turns up for breakfast, she... she yeah, she's still asleep, and he, you know, he, yeah. So all all these all, almost missed opportunities. Yes. Yeah. So um, I'm not surprised uh, that uh, uh, Kenny B and what's her name, Faye, Feng Fei Fei, <laughs> were not rematched. You know, because we talked about their chemistry last time, right, and being uncertain of it. You know, so, I mean, they were both charming and the film was a completely charming film, you know, but we were uncertain about whether they had, whether they had, yeah, whether they had chemistry, you know, and I think this really settles it. They don't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's my view anyway. But, what yeah, but it's, it, well, it's odd yeah. because I, I just find Fong Fei's character in this one is really, it's, it's really odd and how, how are you supposed to react to think some of the stuff she does, like mm -hmm. when she, so... You know, she's got to know, they've kind of fallen in love with each other, but Ken, but, you know, Kenny's character, he's blind, and then he's going to have his eye transplant. And, <laughs> and, she, and she says, well, I'm off now, see you later. And he's like, well, how will I recognise you? And she's like, oh, don't worry, you'll recognise me. And then he then he kind of 
arranges to come to the village where she's staying. And she plays this, in quotes, hilarious trick by she's got a heavily pregnant friend and she gets the heavily pregnant friend to pretend that to Kenny B that she that, that she's the girl he's he's he, he's met and it's kind of it's like that's a really nasty thing to do to this guy who's just got his sight back and I, I it, and it's it's quite odd yeah, it's quite odd yeah but let's distinguish between you know a uh, character's actions which let's face it in this film you know which is like hysterically melodramatic I mean, what car- you know, he is, after all, a blind fortune teller <laughs> who needs an eye operation, right? Like, you know, so, yeah. But that's the things- I'm going to come back to that point in a second, but carry on what you're saying. <laughs> so the things that he's made to do as well are, you know, no less ludicrous than what she's made to do. But he's very charming. You know, he's always smiling or winking or he's always doing something interesting. Yeah, that kind of makes makes him very appealing on screen or make um, he comes across as very charismatic. Whereas, you know, she's dour, immobile. She's got this look that's slightly judgmental. Right. So aside from being made to do silly things or preposterous things, she really does them without charm. I yeah, think. yeah. Yeah. No but matter yeah, how many hats she wears. Exactly. <laughs> wearing wearing hats is not a substitute for having a personality. I, but but here's here's the thing with with Kenny B's character. When we, when we first meet him, he's yeah he's sitting on this horse drawn cart playing a flute, and then we see him. There's a guy like hawking goods in a market, and Kenny B is standing next to him playing the flute. Um, so you assume he's 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 a, he's a blind beggar basically. And then you next see him. He's in Taipei, and he, he he's going to be telling fortunes in the park. So it's like, well, clear, yeah, okay. So clearly, he's subsist. He's he's he, yeah. He, he's he's a blind guy. He's he he has no income. He's subsisting by begging and and trying to tell fortunes. But then you find out and sending and sending money to his father. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <from> his earnings. <laughs> exactly. Then, then you find out actually he was a junior doctor who <laughs> lost his sight in a car accident and. Is kind of living in this quite nice flat, and so it's kind of okay. Well, why was this junior doctor, who obviously can't work as a doctor, while well, having having lost you don't, want, you don't want to be operated by a blind doctor. <laughs> he could be a psychiatrist or something. Anyway, but, but 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 you know, it, I mean, I guess maybe it's a thing that, that, that there's no kind of safety net for people in that position. But as I say, it's quite odd that he seems to be this. When you first meet him, he's this kind of pitiful beggar flute playing guy but then it turns out he's actually a doctor as soon as he has his eye operation he's he's back at the hospital the evidence for this is he, he wanders around looking in a couple of incubators and that's the kind of <laughs> indication of his medical work um, i didn't i must say i didn't find that you know uh um uh, something so odd you just accept yeah I mean, a film that begins with exploding shit, you know, <laughs> and that has, you know, a blind, you know, character in that who needs an operation and that it's also about films being made, you know, you allow a lot of leeway for, for that. I, I ended up uh, go- Googling eye transplant early 80s to try and see how realistic <laughs> 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 It's it's not actually impossible. It's not actually impossible. It, ah. Assuming what they meant was a cornea transplant. So so basically, 
for whole eye transplants, I think are now just about possible. But you could get get the cornea transplanted if you, if if you lost your sight because of a damaged cornea, you could have a, you could get a, a new cornea put in. We should tell our listeners that the film doesn't delve in those furrows of realism. <laughs> <laughs> there should be a disclaimer at the end. Please, please note. Um, <laughs> but I, I can say, I, mean, yeah, I, say I, I I enjoyed the film, but I I can see why if you're, um, you know, because. And I think this one has been restored as well, although we weren't seeing the restored version. But I can see why, if you're doing a release of of like three of of a selection of these early films, why they did, you know, Cute Girl and then Green Green Grass, because this and Cute Girl, you you kind of get the same point really that this is a guy making a commercial musical, who then who is developing as a filmmaker. But but Cute Girl is genuinely charming. Cute Girl, Cute Girl is a better is a better film than than than, than this one. Well, um, what's the next one? Um, so the next one is Green Green Grass of Home, which is on Mubi. Um, okay, and uh, I think I think you'll find very very interesting. So okay, I look forward to it. I mean, you know, I must say I've been very pleasantly surprised because, you know, I expected these films to be like really dour and epic and slow. Um, and you know, so far they've they've both been like great fun to watch, and you know, very charming. And and one, the cute girl, I think, is genuinely good. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so I'm looking forward to to the next one. Yeah, excellent. Is there any last thing you want to say about this? Um, I don't think so. All right. So. Well, uh, we are first impressions, thinking aloud about film, and we've been thinking aloud <laughs> about what's the name of it. Wind, cheerful wind, cheerful wind, cheerful wind, or play while you play. <laughs> That's right. So uh, join us again for the green green grass at home, uh, which we'll be doing shortly. And thank you very much for listening. Bye bye. Bye. Thank you.